Good morning. It is Sports Decaf on a Tuesday morning. It is summer. It's 9 a.m. We are, You already know we're going to wake up. We're on the grind, and it's your boy, Thodic Fatul. You know, it's your boy after a week layoff, Thodic, the man of the hour. You already know what it is. I don't even got to introduce myself from now on. People know me from my voice recognition. My voice is hotter than Siri. You, you do know that. <laughs> Hey, and Siri's kind of annoying, so y'all have that in common. No, no, it's hotter than Siri. Like, people know my voice before they know Siri. Hey, I mean. Dude, that's just, that's what the man of the hour that's what is. Sports, that's what Sports Decaf brings you. Yeah. Like whenever, you, whenever you're on Sports Decaf, your voice becomes a hot commodity. And I mean, Show. and I don't know if you want to announce it, but you already have some jobs lined up just just because of your voice. So, I mean, broadcast, um, broadcasting know, and whatnot. First take, I told them no. I mean, just yeah. the list goes on. I'm not even getting into all that Voice good act. stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the list goes on, but let's go ahead let's and get start on off to the, the show. good, good stuff. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and start off the show. You know, we're going to be talking about some some Laker talk. They did hire Frank Vogel, got Jason Kidd as their assistant coach. We're going to be talking about the conference finals and some NFL talk, talking about Dak Prescott and whatnot. But, I mean, you already know what we got to start off with today. Kawhi Leonard, game seven, you know, game on the line against the Philadelphia 76ers at home, hits the game winner. And that just solidified that. Excuse me, that solidified a spot in the conference finals for Toronto. So my question to you is, good sir, is did Kawhi's buzzer beater solidify himself as the best player in today's playoffs? Well, let's calm down, all right. Sixteen to thirty-nine. He had a bad shooting night, but he came big. I respect him for that. He stepped up when the team needed him. But let's not forget what Kevin Durant's been doing, averaging thirty-three a game, what six rebounds, five assists. Best players on that warrior, best player on that Warriors team. I mean, people want to look at you know Durant got injured with Houston, and they you know switched their whole take on his performance. You know the Warriors don't need him. Well, the Warriors do need him, and the reason why the Warriors won that game is that Mike D'Antoni got outcoached by Steve Kerr, and it wasn't even close. I mean, Steve Kerr went through the whole roster. Kevin Looney was balling out that game. Klay Thompson had a good first half. Steph Curry had an awesome second half. I mean, Andre Iguodala, you know, did amazing. But, you know, enough Durant talk. I'm going to focus on Kawhi Leonard. You know, he had a phenomenal performance, you know, in the fourth quarter. I mean, he took over. But I, I will say one thing. I think Kawhi Leonard, in terms of right now, is the best player in the NBA under pressure. I feel like, you know, when he's under pressure or he's in that clutch moment, I mean, nothing seems to really affect Kawhi Leonard. I mean, his efficiency is always there. I mean, he seems to get better as the game progresses. I mean, he doesn't seem to slow down. I mean, like he said, you know, regular season, it's just, you know, basketball. But, you know, come playoff time, I lace him up. You know, I, re I really start tying him up, and I, I start to play real basketball. But in terms of best player in the playoffs, I feel like you also got to look at Giannis because I think he's also above Kawhi simply because, you know, people look at, we haven't really seen a lot of Milwaukee in the playoffs because the first round was a 4-0 sweep. Second round's a 4-1. I mean, they're they're blowing these first two rounds out, and a lot of it's due to Giannis's dominance through the first three quarters. I mean, he really doesn't have to play the fourth quarter for this Milwaukee's team. So I feel like to say he's the best player in the playoffs is kind of, you know, based off of one game, which is that game seven. You know, I think that's where people kind of, like, you know, jump to the conclusion He's been having a hell of a playoff ride. I think, you know, you can put him – some people can argue at one. It's going to be a strong argument. But I just feel like it's – he's not – he hasn't solidified himself yet. Um, I I, dis I, I get the argument. I it's I really do feel like it's neck and neck between Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. Um, Giannis, I just don't think that he – I like, I had him as my best player. And honestly, throughout this playoffs, I've been swipe, I've been swip, uh, swip swapping and whatnot uh, on who I think the best player is, but I think in today's playoffs, and I I really do feel like Kawhi Leonard has been the best player in this playoffs. I mean, he's giving you 32 a game, he's shooting 54 percent from the field, and he's shooting 40 percent from three, and he's almost giving you 90 percent from the free throw line. And keep in mind, unlike Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard actually has to shoulder the offensive load for the Toronto Raptors, constantly getting double teamed 
Kevin Durant does not get double teamed at all. You cannot double team Kevin Durant because you know why? You're going to have Klay Thompson open. You're going to have Steph Curry open. You're going to have Iggy open. They're, they have too many threats on that Warriors team to double. On Toronto, you can you can go ahead and double Kawhi Leonard because you can have someone like Kyle Lowry shooting threes. They can live with that. And so with, with Toronto, I mean, I, I just feel like what Kawhi Leonard is doing offensively, he's shouldering a heavier load, excuse me, a heavier load. And on the defensive end, I don't, I don't think there's anyone that matches up with him defensively. I mean, you see what he did, did to, to Jimmy Butler and how he's been playing defensively. I mean, Kawhi Leonard does it on both ends. I, I do agree with you that Kevin Durant is a far better def, uh, offensive player, but I would rather have someone who's almost just as efficient but can really lock up someone on the defensive end because, I mean, I know you agree with this, defense wins championships. And, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is the, probably the best defender in, in the league. And the one thing that we don't – that we got to acknowledge as well is that in, in the playoffs, this is how you really come to the conclusion on who's the best. LeBron James has always helped us out, and we know we always see him in the regular season, and we, you know, we kind of know what he's about. But whenever it comes time to playoffs – we, li- we always solidify ourselves and we look at LeBron and we're like, okay, that's the best player because he always steps up his game. And today's playoffs, we really have had two to three guys step up their game and now it's really a swip swap and we don't know what's going on between those three guys, whether it's KD, Kawhi, and Giannis. And I still think LeBron, like we're still sleeping on LeBron. I feel like LeBron is really the second or third best player in the league. Um, and, that's probably, and that's probably an understatement because we don't know what he's going to bring to the table next playoffs if he makes it. But other than that, I mean, I really do feel like Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the playoffs. I mean, he's shouldering a, hot, a heavier load. Um, he's doing it on the defensive end. And if you look at that Toronto game, no one wanted the ball. Like, no one wanted the ball. Kyle Lowry passing the ball to Kawhi Leonard. Pascal Siakam did not show up that much. Marcus Gasol only had, like, seven points. Well, well I mean, you got to look at – they hit big shots. Marcus Gasol hit a big, you know, no, no, three no. laying the game. Ibaka hit that big three as well to give him the lead when Ben Simmons kind of shied on defense. So, I mean, a lot of people are looking at Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the guy went 16-39, to horrible shooting night. But Toronto Raptors made some big plays late in the game, and a lot of those big plays weren't Kawhi Leonard. No, no, but, but the thing is, if you look at throughout the whole – I get I get they made key plays in the stretch, but throughout the whole game, if you look at their offense, it was really like, okay, let's, let's just let Kawhi Leonard do his thing and we'll just try to fit in or spot up. That's not really how it should have. If you looked at games one through six, role players stepped up. They fit into the system. They did everything that they were supposed to do. Game seven, it was really like let Kawhi Leonard do his things because it looked like everyone was starstruck in the beginning. Um, now, you bring up the 16 for 39, and I'm going to – or the 14 for 39, whatever it 16. was. It was 16 for 39. Um, I'm complacent with it. I, and, he, like, Kawhi Leonard has been shooting amazingly, and – I want my best player shooting the most shots yeah, on the team. I, I and mean, I, I don't. And if you look at all the shot attempts that he got, I don't feel like he forced any of them. I, and you know I'm a Westbrook fan. Westbrook would shoot 30 or 40 shots a game, but it looked like a lot of his shots was, were forced. Kawhi Leonard, it really looked like he was just one on one his dude, would beat his dude, defender would help. And a lot of shots, they were short and whatnot. I'd, I, I can live with someone like Kawhi Leonard shooting that many shots. I think he had a bad shooting night. He's not going to shoot 39 shots ever again. I so. mean, I, I respect it. You know, he, he, he came clutch. He got his team to win. But, I mean, 16 to 39, his team kept him in the game. I mean, people want to complain, oh, they didn't take enough shots. Well, they're feeding their best player. It's a game seven. And, I mean, shout out Kawhi Leonard for the only game winner ever on the buzzer in game seven history in the NBA. I mean, that's, you know, a respected milestone of his, respected achievement. But the Toronto Raptors, you got to look at the overall performance of the team. I think every man played their role. They could have, you know, been more involved offensively, but I think they did a hell of a job. Guys made key key shots late in the game, and I think that's that's what you got to look at what kept Toronto in the game. Because, I mean, Kawhi's shooting performance with the game seven, with the Philadelphia team who's, you know, st- a stacked all, uh, you know starting lineup, I mean, this game could have been a blowout. So, you know, you got to give much respect to the Toronto Raptors, the defense they played, you know, an overall team effort. I think that's what kind of kept them in the game. And and that's that's what I was going to bring up as well, the defensive effort. I mean, it's game seven. I don't expect anyone to have a great shooting game because the yeah. defensive energy is amped up. That's really what it comes down to. It's game seven. I will say this, though. You talked about how the role players stepped up, and I agree with you. I think fourth quarter, whenever it came time to shine, Kyle Lowry got that big steal on Joel Embiid. He got a few charges in there. I think he played well. Pascal Siakam, yeah, you, you named that. If you look at quarters one through three, Guys were passive on shooting the basketball. Someone like Danny Green, who usually shoots the basketball, would pass up an open three. And I looked at this, at this fun fact. 
Kawhi Leonard accumulated for 44% of the points of the team. I mean, I get that he had 40 points. He had 41 points. It was a 92 to 90 game, but he accumulated for 41 points. I mean, I think that's great. I know he shot horribly, but you hit the game winner. You you hit the shot that mattered the most. And he even said after his uh, after the game winner, he said, a lot of my shots were short. Um, I knew after that last shot that I had to put some more air under it. I had to, you know, make make it make it a more powerful shot. And that's that just shows you how good of a player he is, how good of a shooter he is. One thing in the NBA is that you make adjustments in the middle of the game. If you know that your shot is short or it's too long, you got to make adjustments, those little adjustments within your shot. And he made the biggest one of the night. Yeah, he hit the biggest shot of the night. And, I mean, that's that's what mattered at the end. That was the end result. But I just feel like there's much more to prove. I feel like this Milwaukee series is going to be, you know, the prover right here. This can be the statement. But I'm telling you, man, you know, we're going to talk about it later on in the show. But I got, I got some stuff about this Milwaukee team coming later on. I do want to flip it, though. I mean – I'm I'm really disappointed with the 76ers. Like I I get that they're young, but if if someone would have told me last year or two years ago that there's a team in the East with four All Stars and a top ten player and one of the best point guards in the league with two other All Stars, so a team with four All Stars and they get knocked out in the second round, I, I just I mean that just I, that I guarantee you one thing: if Ben Simmons had a jump shot. They win this series maybe four one four two. Oh, if Ben Simmons has a jump shot. Just, he's just he's automatically he a top tier player. Jump in the shots. If he just takes jump shots, that's the thing. That's the issue with him. It's not like I don't care that you can't shoot. You know, Giannis is not the best shooter. Joel Embiid's not even the best shooter. But when you take shots, guys are gonna you know play tighter on you on defense, and that allows your game to really you know exactly. it allows you to really maneuver you know through defenders and things like that. But Ben Simmons, man. If you can't even have confidence within yourself, you're not going to be a great player when it's all said and done. And, and I a, mean, that's just how I see it. And a, No, you're right. And a great example of someone that couldn't shoot but was still a threat was Rajon Rondo whenever he was right now with L.A. Lakers or whenever he was with the Boston Celtics. He shot high 20s from the three-point line. Yeah. But, but he was shoot. still a threat. That's, that's the thing. Ben Simmons is not a threat because they know he's not going to be shooting threes. Rajon Rondo, whenever he played for Boston or whenever he played for New Orleans, he would be able you know, to stretch out a defense because they know he can hit a few threes. That's really what it comes down to. But, I mean, Philadelphia still had four All-Stars. I mean, you can, br- you can blame Brett Brown, who's coming back next season. I think he's a, he should be gone. I mean, I agree with you. I, I really do. I feel, I feel like, like he should be gone. I feel like season should have been the, the deal sealer. I mean, that man should have been out of Philly. He's just – he's wasting the process. I mean, okay, I get it. You know, he's a good coach in terms of, you know, his personality and his feelings towards his players. But championship basketball, he's not the guy you want running your team. And the thing is that I just – like, next year has to be – like, Philadelphia has to make the conference finals or the finals next season, whether they keep Jimmy Butler or not or they keep Tobias. They have, first of all, they have to keep one of them. Like that's yeah. that's what it has. I, I would value Jimmy Butler. I'm that's you know that's that's going to be up to the franchise. But I mean, but Jimmy Butler seems to be out. This this team this team has to rejuvenate their system, and it all comes down to Ben Simmons. If he can shoot the basketball, this team is probably the best team in the East. Oh, and that's okay. that's what it comes down to. But I mean, Brad Brown if he can shoot if he just takes shots. <laughs> like you don't Ben Simmons, you don't even gotta. You can shoot 15% from three. Fun fact. It's there, better than zero. Fun fact. There's a there's an ESPN article or um, or ESPN writer who's been following the 76ers, and he has come up with a theory that Ben Simmons has been shooting with the wrong hand his whole career, and he's been following him the whole, the whole his whole career so far, and he has a whole theory, a whole little analysis saying that Ben Simmons is shooting with his wrong hand. I feel like this guy is right-handed. So, I mean – who knows? But, you know, the 76ers are an interesting team. I feel like next season is really the, the defiant season. I mean, okay, last season, you you know, it was Ben Simmons' rookie year. This season, he's still a sophomore. Joel Embiid's still, what, age 25. I, I Don't even get me started on him crying. I get the passion for the game, but you're still young. Yeah. I, I don't get why he was crying. That's just me, though. Uh, he went a little overboard with yeah. the crying. I mean, it and then he was making out with his, with his yeah. wife or girlfriend after the game. Yeah, I mean, his – I, I don't get that. But other than she, that. She get in the bag, that's for sure. Yeah. She get in the bag. And who isn't nowadays? But, I mean, other than that, Philadelphia, I mean. If only the WNBA players made that type of money. Oh, I'll man. try and secure me a bag. <laughs> Are you calling someone? You got a celebrity cush? 
Nah, not right now. They, they ain't making <laughs> enough. They ain't making enough in the WNBA. <laughs> so I, not right now, but when that salary cap go up, I might. Hey, hey you got to do what you, you got to do. You got the platform, man. You, you got the voice. You got to do bro. You got the voice. You. But let's go ahead and switch the topic up. Um, LA Lakers, you already know we got to talk about this. Who knew? I mean, so who knew we'd be talking about a man named Frank Vogel? So, so let let, let, let me go ahead and describe the oh, whole yeah. situation. Los Angeles Lakers were gonna go ahead, and you know we obviously know that they had fired Luke Walton, and Luke Walton immediately signed a five-year deal with Sacramento. So they were in need. First of all, they're in need of a president of basketball operations. Um, I don't know who's running that team right now. Is it Rob Palinka? Is it Kurt Rambis? We don't know. But they're 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 in desperate need for a head coach, and obviously the names that were circled around the NBA were Monty Williams and Ty Lue. Um, and Ty we, Lue. And we all know. knew that Ty Lue was really the guy to get the LA, uh, LA head coaching job because, you know, the LeBron James history. And for, for, for anyone that wants to discredit what he did in the league, he still was able to go to, you know, three, three NBA Finals appearances and won an NBA championship. David Blatt, who was the coach the year before, didn't win anything. And whenever David Blatt got fired in the middle of the year, Ty Lue stepped up and won and helped them, you know, lead them to a championship. So for anyone that wants to, you know, discredit him for what he did, I get that you have LeBron James, but he still has a heck of a resume. And I think we can agree on that. So, I mean, even when he was in Cleveland and he won that championship, he was still the assistant coach. LeBron James was the head coach of that Cleveland Cavaliers team. So okay, <laughs> I mean, all right, we gotta so so we slow your roll just a bit. No, right? he, no, no, no. All seriousness, he does he does have a heck of a resume. So back yeah, in, yeah, you know what he's known for. Okay, all right, AI stepping over him. That's all I think of when I see Tyron Lue. I will never see a ring. I will never see rings. I just see AI stepping over the man. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy had a birthday cake and it was the L.A. Lakers and he didn't get the damn job. Okay, well, that's why you, if you keep keep freaking interrupting me, let right. me talk about... He didn't get the damn job. You know why he had that birthday cake? Because AI stepped on him when he was an L.A. Laker. Oh, my goodness. All right, All right so back to the topic so we can Scrub finally discuss Lou. this. So this is what happened, is that he was going to... He got he got offered a three-year deal, which is basically the... like that's, that's the length of LeBron's deal. But he wanted a five-year deal and wanted to choose his own staff, his assistant coaches. Wanted a five-year deal. And um, the Lakers wanted him to have Jason Kidd as his assistant coach. And uh, Tyloo was like, "No, man. Yeah, I, I've I've been to the finals. I've done whatever I what I needed to do to prove myself. And I'm not gonna just sell myself short with the three year deal." So, talks ended, and then now they have hired Frank Vogel as the head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, and Jason Kidd is the assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. So, did the Lakers make the right move in hiring Frank Vogel? Well, shoot, Frank Vogel did. I mean, if you can't beat him, join him. He <laughs> could never beat LeBron James. LeBron James always seemed to take out his Indiana Pacers. So, you know what Frank Vogel did? Pull the Kevin Durant. Said, if I can't beat him, I'll join him. You know, I still love KD. That's the man. Greatest player in the league. You know, I had to say that. Best scorer ever. But anyways, back to this Laker talk. I think they did hire the right guy. I think Frank Vogel is a hell of a coach. You know, he's one of those coaches. I feel like he's going to be an actual coach for LeBron James. Not one of those assistant coaches like Tyron Lue and, you know, all them other guys. But I think the Lakers, it's a good job, and it's a good thing that, you know, they didn't, you know, kind of force a Tyron Lue signing. They didn't force what LeBron wants. It's kind of like it's, you know, we got to do what's better for this L.A. franchise. We're going downhill. We've got a lot of bad going on. So now it's time for us to make decisions based on us and not on LeBron James. We got a good young core. We got a LeBron James who, you know, should be coming back next season healthy, had the longest offseason of his career. So I, I think it's a good start. I wouldn't say it's the right move yet, but I think it's a good start where they're headed. It's it's a path where, you know, it's going to be a Lakers decision rather than, you know, a LeBron James decision. This was – I think this was one – like, first of all, hiring Frank Vogel, I, I don't – I just don't see it. I think I know he has the resume, one to Eastern Conference Finals twice and whatnot. But in order to coach LeBron James, LeBron James has to respect you first and first of all, and it has to be he has to approve on the signing, whether he approved or, or or he didn't. We don't know. We don't know if Frank Vogel is his guy, if he really respects how he coaches and whatnot. We all we do know that he is cool with Jason Kidd, and that might come into play. And there might be a situation to where same thing with David Blatt and Tyron Lue was where. Frank Vogel might get fired in the middle of the year, but Jason Kidd might step up and become that head coach. We don't know yet. He was a candidate as well. So, um, and and the thing is about the Lakers that 
they should have went and listened to LeBron. And I, I, I really do feel like that. I mean, first of all, their plan, plan A was really getting Tyron Lue or getting someone like Doc Rivers if he left the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, but he was not leaving. He got he extended. So they had to stick with Tyron Lue, Monty Williams, someone like that, of that caliber, and they messed up. They messed up. Like, if you cannot sign a head coach and not and not have proper nego- negotiations to sign a head coach, what and why do you think you're going to have proper negotiations when you want to sign Kevin Durant or K- Kyrie Irving? Like, it's gone to the point where you don't even know if these guys are going to give you a meeting because the Los Angeles Lakers organization just looks so dysfunctional and it's so bad. I think this was a bad look for L.A. I don't know if this was a right coaching move. Uh, I don't know if it was a right coaching move just yet. I think this was a bad move for L.A. Not because that, not because Frank Vogel is a bad coach. It's because you made yourself look so stupid. And I think that's really what it comes down to. You, you, you mess up negotiations. And in NBA talks, you look at what everyone's saying around, around the NBA circles. Man, they, they really feel like Tyron Lue got disrespected and that the L.A. Lakers handled things horribly. And that's really what it comes down to. And if I'm a free agent, I'm going to look at what they're doing with head coaches and how, they're, and how they have even got a president of basketball operations. And I don't understand why someone would want to go there compared to somewhere even like New York. New York looks like they have some type of functionality going on or Brooklyn or the Los Angeles Clippers. So, I mean, the Lakers are making themselves look extremely bad. Um, I think this digs deeper than just than, than just hiring Frank Vogel because you said it yourself, there's really no such thing as a coach to LeBron. I think there was really one true coach to LeBron in his whole career, and it was Eric Spolster because he had to buy into the heat. And other than that, I don't know if he'll buy into Frank Vogel, and that's really I, what it comes down to. Uh, I mean, overall, I like it because I feel like Lakers also have that plan B they can fall back on, you know, Jason Kidd. He had, you know, some coaching experience in Milwaukee, in Brooklyn. So I think they're in good hands, you know, for now. Not going to, you know, jump into it. And then plus Lonzo Ball. I mean, we, we got to stop focusing on LeBron James. We got to focus, you know, there's a 12-man roster on that team. Jason Kidd, Lonzo Ball, I mean, that's as good as it gets. You know, that's what you want as L.A. Lakers. You want that mentor, a guy who can really, you know, improve the longevity of Lonzo Ball's career, guy who's injury prone, you know, to get it from a veteran guy like Jason Kidd, you know, the triple-double machine back in his days. So I, I, it's a good start. They have a plan B to fall back on, but it's just a matter of executing and free agency. That's what it's going to come down to. That's the, you know, final play of this chapter. If they can't get nothing in free agency, I think the LeBron ring dynasty is over. And don't be surprised if LeBron James – if something doesn't go right in the summer, if he gets traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. Because there's been rumors going out that the L.A. Lakers might put him into some trading scenarios and the Sixers are, you know, a hot landing spot. I could see that happening, especially for a guy like LeBron James, you know, wanting to win a championship. That automatically makes him a contender. So just leaving that out there, don't be surprised, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it in sports decap first. No, I, I agree with you. I think that, first of all, if I'm LeBron and nothing goes my way in the free agency, Le- first of all, LeBron has, LeBron has the resume. He has the credentials to basically ask for anything he wants, whether it's the head coaching gig or anything, because that's, that's what a player of LeBron's caliber can do for a franchise. So for anyone that wants to hate on LeBron for choosing his head coaching and a- asking for trades for certain guys, that's what you, that's what you can do when you're, whenever you're LeBron James and s- such a dominant player just like him. Number two, if I'm LeBron James and I don't get anyone in the free agency, I don't get a Kyrie Irving, I don't, and, and I'm stuck with someone like an Al Horford that, that, we, that we overpay or someone like an Ed Davis that we that, – you know, players that, that, that was not on their plan A, B, or C, and we really just have to scrape up guys for the next upcoming season. If I'm LeBron James, I really might be tempted to ask for a trade. Or if I'm the Lakers, I might be tempted to trade LeBron James. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. And, and I, I get what you're saying. Now, the big question is – who would they trade LeBron James for? And if I'm if I'm the LA Lakers, I would trade LeBron James for Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid hasn't shown a single a single amount of consistency without you know in terms of injury, uh, excuse me, in terms of staying healthy and and whatnot. I know he's a dominant player, but I don't know for how many years he can give you this dominance. Ben Simmons and LeBron, I feel like that could possibly work out. That's a mismatch nightmare. Um, if, if Ben Simmons can Oh, can yeah, they're definitely beat. not trading Ben Simmons yeah, or yeah, Embiid. Yeah. I think that's off limits. Well, I mean, who, who, it's LeBron James. You got to trade Lakers one of them. The Lakers at this point, they're in desperation. You're telling me you're going to trade you're going to trade JJ Redick and uh no, Jonathan JJ Simmons. No, JJ Redick is a free agent, so they wouldn't be able, but Well, I mean, 
I mean, you're going to have to try and lock up Tobias, ship him out, and maybe, you know, two first-rounders, something within that scenario. But they're not trading Ben. They're not trading Joel Embiid, who, you know, one can argue is the most dominant big in the league, especially with a contract where he has to play a certain amount of games to get paid the bag. So, I mean, if injuries do happen, Philly is still winning that scenario because he's not getting the, you know, the payday that he's expecting because it's in his contract where he's got to meet a certain amount of minutes and games played and things like that. Well, no, but it's just, I feel like the thing it's is too risky, the, too risky to trade and beat the, like, well, but or Simmons, if I'm the Lakers, why, why on earth would you trade Tobias Harrison two first rounders for LeBron James? Like that, if I'm, if I'm I mean, the, shoot, they try to trade if the, I'm the Lakers, roster for if, Anthony Davis. if I'm the Lakers, I'm going to say, I have arguably the best player in the, in the world in, on my team. And, you know, he still has some left in the tank. I want someone of that caliber. And that's that's what I'm going to have to say. You can you can pull off an Anthony Davis type ordeal. You can force Philadelphia to overpay you and whatnot. But you have LeBron James. I think the chess pieces are on your side. Other than that, I mean, I'm looking at this Lakers or uh, you know situation and what's going on with, with L.A. And hiring Frank Vogel, I think it's too early to say if it's a right or bad move. But I think – Throughout the whole head coaching process and hiring a head coach, I think the Lakers handled this horribly. But I'm hoping for the better. They do have a young team, and we just got to see what happens during the free agency. And, and to all you Lakers fans out there who are protesting this and that, y'all are the same damn fans that are going to overpay for Game 1 tickets. You're going to go, you know, you, your family probably owns season tickets, season holders. Just shut up and watch basketball because y'all are, gonna, y- y'all are still going to pay the man. Y'all going to make LeBron James' pockets fatter. Still going to buy his shoes. You're still going to buy his apparel. So, I mean, just just stop trying to put on the act. Y'all are the fakest fans in the league. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, enough with this Lakers BS talk. Yeah, let's talk about some conference finals. I mean, this is really what it comes down to. We got four remaining teams. And in the West, who would have thought? It's the Portland Trailblazers. Versus the Golden State Warriors. Hey, D- Damian would have thought. And and on the East, it's Milwaukee versus Toronto. And I mean, I, I we 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 had Toronto and Milwaukee facing up in the Eastern Conference Finals, but honestly, man, I I don't think anyone had Portland circled to make the Conference Finals. But yeah. the question is, are the Warriors threatened to win the whole thing? N- not not just in the Conference Finals, but in terms of the Finals as well. Do do any of these three remaining teams have a legitimate shot to beat the Warriors? I, for the see, NBA championship. I actually got on my NBA bracket, I've got Milwaukee Warriors in the finals, but surprisingly enough, I got Milwaukee winning. Really? Simply because the great Pat Riley once said, no rebounds, no rings. Milwaukee is the best de- you know, rebounding team in the league. They're defensive dogs. I've never seen Kyrie Irving locked up. They locked the man up. I mean, he had the worst playoff performance of his career. He He's in the best, and one can argue, oh, his injuries is. Kyrie is in the best condition he's ever been throughout his whole entire career. And Milwaukee did not shy away. Eric Bledsoe, I mean, the guy's a dog. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, their best defensive player, hardly played in that series. Mil- Milwaukee is that team where, you know, coming into the playoffs, I mean, I had an easy first round. Second round against Boston, I thought it was going to be a little bit tougher, but I didn't have any scares in that round. And I thought, you know, their only threat was Toronto. I mean, I had Toronto going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But Milwaukee's not here to play. You know, they're they're probably one of the most well-coached teams right now in the playoffs. I think they've got the best coach, you know, left in the playoffs. And I think overall, every man on that team, I mean, I don't know if it's just me from what I've seen, but – they they can match up against anyone. I mean, they they can give Kevin Durant a hard time. They can give you know Kawhi Leonard a hard time. They can give Kyle Lowry easily a hard time. I mean, if they're locking up Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry's getting nothing going in that playoffs. Siakam's getting nothing going. I mean, Giannis is definitely gonna give Kawhi Leonard a hard time. I mean, this this Milwaukee team is no joke. This is why I have them winning the winning the NBA Finals simply because rebounds. I mean, they get offensive rebounds, second chance points. I mean, they're the best defense in the league. They're one of the most consistent teams. They never seem to lose their focus. I mean, you look at Giannis after game one. He was like, you know, we're going to play Milwaukee, our, our same basketball. You know, they never lost their focus. They kept their composure. They end up winning four games. Shout out Paul Pierce. Keep your takes up because they're 
you know, straight garbage. It's always the opposite. So the only way Milwaukee, I'll tell you one thing, is losing if Paul Pierce says they're winning. I'll tell you that. Paul Pierce says they're winning. Milwaukee's losing. That's off the bat. Um, Conference finals, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, I'm going to start off in the West. I'm looking at the Portland and Golden State series. Um, I, I think we know who's going to win that series. But I will say, I think Portland can surprisingly surprisingly make this a little tougher than, than Dur- what than Durant's what out think. game one and two. And and they th- the thing is they haven't they said Durant hasn't even stepped on the court yet he hasn't even taken basketball shots hasn't you know so they're you know game one and two but there might be a scenario where he comes back maybe a potential game six a game seven so that's the thing but they're thirty and four whenever Kevin Durant doesn't play so no wait, wait no I'm not okay, okay relax don't get butt hurt because you're a Kevin Durant the Warriors down. are the Warriors they're seven they were seventy three and nineteen before Kevin Durant came and I'm not using that to discredit Kevin Durant so don't get your panties in a twist I'm <laughs> saying guy. what I'm saying is that this team is still a hell of a team and that this team is still the one of the best teams. guy is always teams. on LeBron coattail. I'm saying this but this team is one of, is still one of the best teams with or without Kevin Durant and I still pick them to win against Portland Trailblazers but. I will say I think Portland can really make this go to six. I think I think that's the cap for them. I think six is a cap. Um, I looked at what what the LA Clippers did to the Golden State Warriors, excuse me, in the first round. And it's one thing, and there, there, there's there's a rerunning history with within the Golden State Warriors is that they usually get they the hardest times, the hardest series is whenever teams have great backcourts. And look at that throughout the NBA playoffs. Look at you know the Houston Rockets. Chris Paul and James Harden. I mean, that's one hell of a backcourt. You look at the Los Angeles Clippers, Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. They're not all-stars, but we 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 both know that's a hell of a backcourt as well. They can play, especially with uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander. They have a rotation going on there. And then now you look at probably the second-best backcourt in the league in Portland, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and they have someone like Seth Curry who's going to come on shooting threes. They have a nice little rotation as well. I think this Portland series can really – be a little interesting, but I mean, we we obviously still have the Warriors winning. But I, I, Eastern Conference, it all to me, the, the Warriors. This one's gonna fall on Kevin Durant's return time, because one thing that I've known is teams have have started to figure out, you know, Curry on defense. They've started to figure out. I mean, the guy can't play a lick of defense no more. I mean, I don't. Well, know. Well, it's been like that since 2016. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's bad. It's it's as if like any ISO Curry's on you. The def, the you know the offensive dudes. Blowing by, and, and and that's and that's why I said they have the hardest time against great backcourts because yeah. Curry is gonna be is gonna have to be forced to guard someone like a C.J. McCollum or a, a Damian Lillard. Look at the Houston series; they got lucky. They they really did because Seth, Steph Curry, excuse me, would be forced to guard someone like because because thing about Houston is that they love small ball rotations. Yeah. So they would have a Chris Paul, James Harden, and then a Mon Shumpert or an Austin Rivers, something like that. They would have a three guard rotation. Seth Curry would uh, Steph Curry. I keep saying Seth, but Steph Curry would be guarding the worst out of the three guards. He would guard Gerald Green. Ger- Gerald, you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but I wanted to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. I love I love your take on Milwaukee. I I, de- I definitely agree with you on the rebounding aspect. But I mean I. I I have my, I have my, I had Toronto circled the whole year. I, I really do feel like this team can make the finals, and I just you got to prove it to me. I feel like someone who's never came out the first round, I just don't do not believe you can make it to the finals after one year. After I just I just don't believe in that jump. Call me crazy, call me ignorant. I want to see it for myself. That's it. I think to, I think you're Toronto, gonna believe. I, I want to be proven wrong. That that's that's just me. But I I really do feel like Toronto, they have the talent to match up with Milwaukee. I think. In terms of supporting cast, talent-wise, you look at the paper. Toronto beats Milwaukee talent-wise, but Milwaukee fits together better, and um, it's really going to be dependent on someone like Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, all all these key role players. Fred Van Fleet, they're all going to have to step up, and that's really what it comes down to. I don't think that the Warriors are really threatened that much. I think if Milwaukee plays the Warriors in the finals, I think that's the hardest competition for the Warriors. I think if Toronto, for example, plays the Warriors. It'll, it'll favor to the Warriors' side. But I do still have Toronto winning this series. I think Kawhi Leonard is playing phenomenal basketball. And um, whoever guards him, I, I, th- I think he'll still be able to do his thing. That's just how good Kawhi Leonard is. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree. It's going to be a hard one. But I just feel like Toronto on the east side, they, they're not going to be able to execute on that Milwaukee team. I mean, that's, that's the only issue I have. Milwaukee's going to go into this series, you know, saying, let Kawhi score his 35-40. Let's just worry about the other guys. I mean, because Kawhi's become one of those guys you can't guard him, you can't check him. Yeah. So that I feel like that's the game plan they're going to go into. They're going to know, you know, maybe 
They're not going to be able to figure them out on defense, but you know they're they're going to figure out all those other guys. They're going to shut those other dudes down, and I think that's going to be the key aspect is how Milwaukee approaches the game plan on this Toronto team, who has a stacked rotation, but they've shown they don't have a lot of guys that can execute. And on the west side, I mean, you have a guy, C.J. McCollum, who can't be – no one can check the man. I mean, this guy is shooting high 50s from mid-range. Wait, wait, not for the playoffs, for this season. 57, 54 50, from, the, from the elbow, from the right side, the middle – 54, 57, 56 from the elbow. I mean, this guy right here, mid-range I'm going to say something. I mean, if you watch that game against Denver, I mean, I don't know if this is just me being, you know, biased or caught up in the hype. That is one of the greatest playoff performances I've ever watched. I'm not going to say ever in history, but I ever watched. I mean, C.J. McCollum, he wasn't hitting three. He was running isos. I mean, that's the beauty of the game is isolation basketball. The guy ISOs, I mean, an inch left of, you know, shooting daggers. I mean, the dude told his coach in the timeout, Coach, One give me flat. the ball. These guys can't check me. They had Will Barton. They had Jamal Murray. They had Craig on them. They had the whole damn lineup on them. The man went 17 and 29 shooting. I could be wrong on, you know, that, but I think he was around that. I mean, half of these were mid-range jumpers. Damian Lillard fed him. The whole team just kind of sat in their little corner and let C.J. McCollum run the show. I mean, the if you watch that game, I mean, the monster block at the end, almost like a LeBron type of block. I mean, it was just a phenomenal game overall from C.J. McCollum. And I think that performance he put on, the man put on a show. And I feel like Stephen Curry, you're in big trouble. I think they might have Klay Thompson on Damian Lillard, Andre Iguodala on C.J. McCollum. I think they might have Curry on... You know, possibly a three. On an Alfred Camino or something? I mean, they're, they're not going to have Stephen Curry on C.J. McCollum because if Will Barton can't check him, Stephen Curry sure as hell can't check him. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I feel like if Kevin Durant is out for four or five games, Portland can steal this one. No. I think Portland can possibly steal it. No. You're I, I, you're caught up a little too much in the hype. I don't know, man. You, you got to remember, this team – was 73 and 9 without Kevin Durant. Before Kevin yeah. Durant joined, this team was the best team of all time, technically by record, without Kevin Durant. And you look at the record. They should won four games. Two games, I feel like Warriors can pull it off. But four games, I feel like, man, they're in trouble because playing in Portland, it's not an easy thing to do. And if they can steal one in Golden State and then shoot, game three, they steal another one, they got momentum going their way, they can steal a game four. Durant comes back. They need one good game. That's it. They can they get a 3-1 lead. They need one good game, and that's what it's going to come down to. And I feel like Damian Lillard, with the type of dude he is, psh, the dude can drop 50 and go 15 to 20 shooting. So that's going to be the scary thing. And if he's not going 15 to 20, C.J. McCollum might go 15 to 20. You're, you're, you're so, caught up way too deep in the hype. So I'm just, no, I'm not in the hype. Because you watched you watch Golden it's State without you watch Golden you watch Golden State without Kevin Durant and their whole yeah, they're, 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 whole, they're champions. Their, their, their whole game plan changes. Yeah. Ball movement, crisper passes, everyone's yeah. moving around. You see Draymond Green play like vintage Draymond Green with Kevin Durant. I mean, it, the the balance just shifts whenever Kevin Durant plays. And that's the thing. You have an ISO scorer who can give you 30 and no one can guard you. But without Kevin Durant, everyone has to move around. Everyone has to play that that type of Golden State basketball that we, re, that we originally fell in love with. I think with or without Kevin Durant, I think that the Warriors are okay. Because I did say this in the first round. This is the best case scenario for, for the Golden State Warriors. I don't think they wanted to play the Nuggets, in my opinion. I think the, the Nuggets are too stacked. I think they have a great big that could torch their big. But hey, Zach Collins ain't no joke. Zach, are you talking about the 10th pick that averages five points a game? Zach Collins, I'm telling y'all, Zach Collins is a rim protector. He averages five points a it, game. 21 years old, I'm telling you now, Zach Collins is going to be something special. He's going to be special. I'm saying this right now. Y'all better watch out for the brother. He's going to give this Warriors team a hard time. He's going to give Draymond you, Green. I'm letting you know now. You're saying Zach, Zach Collins, Collins is going to give the Warriors a hard time. If they give him the right amount of minutes, he's going to give this Warriors What is he, like their, like their ninth or tenth man? No, let's calm down. Okay, he's their second big, but he's been getting their some minutes. Their ninth or tenth man? He's been getting some minutes now. 
So I mean, he's averaging seven. Hey, he he's averaging seven. He's actually he's, sorry. I, I checked it the other day. He's averaging like five point six in the playoffs. But he, I mean, it's the little things you got to pay attention to. Five blocks game six, three blocks game seven. I mean, he'll throw his body up. Then he also got another big like Myers Leonard. He's not that good, but for this, <laughs> I, you for started this, off saying yeah, he's not that for good. For this Warriors team, he can give some trouble. I mean, he's a seven foot two big. Yeah, you know, he he can move for a big dude. And I mean, you put Zach Collins as well into that rotation, a big lineup. I mean, I'm telling you, Zach Collins can be an X factor for this Trailblazers team. All right, this is not me speaking off of you know just making a bold prediction. I mean, the guy's 21 years old. He's he's gonna be special. He might not be a numbers guy, but I'll tell you one thing. He's going to be a rim protector in the league. He's going to be a defensive, you know, threat later on throughout his career when he, you know, develops, becomes a better player. But y'all remember this. Zach Collins is a baller. He's a baller. Okay. He's a baller, right? Mm, okay, a baller. Someone who averages. Anyways, um, I, before we switch the topic, I want to give a, I want to give a huge shout out to the one and only and it's cancer. I know you know we oh, all yeah. we all know what he's doing out there in Portland. First of all, stepped up huge for Portland. Yusuf Nurkic is out, broke his leg unfortunately, but Ennis Cantor stepped up as the third best player on the team in the conference finals team. Second, playing with the busted shoulder. I think that's a that's a big thing that he's been playing with. And he's fasting. Yeah, and I was in he's fasting as well in the month of Ramadan. I mean, shout out to Ennis Cantor. We talk about one of the most mentally tough players. We got, we definitely gotta mention what he's going through and how he's preparing himself day in and day out. But other than that, I just wanted to give him a little shout out. But let's oh, talk some out. NFL talk. Cowboys. About yeah. to about to extend <laughs> they're about <laughs> to they're about to extend Dak Prescott to a thirty million dollar contract. Question is, are the Cowboys making the right move? What do you think? What do I think? What, what do you think? Like, look, so don't, don't ask blasphemy no, 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 in no, front no. of my face. I feel disrespected. So I this, feel very disrespected this morning. So look, this is the thing about you. Look, you had no, 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 hold up. You had the you audacity. Can't ask me, you can't ask me a question and expect me not to answer. Right, it, so you ask me, what do I think? Like, let me tell you what I think. So look. There's something in the NFL. Let me teach you a little bit. It's called yeah, a market right. value, all right? Market yeah, value. Yeah, yeah, I know. You look at someone like Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah. Who's See, making 28. And there's at, guys like you. Okay, hype, hope you, hype. No, no, hear me out. Let me. All right, go on. You look at someone like Kirk Cousins who's making 28 mil. And you look at someone yeah. like Matthew Stafford making 27 mil. Derek Carr is making $25 million a year. Jimmy Garoppolo making $28 million as well. There's something called a market value. Dak Prescott is better than those four QBs that I just listed. He's better than Kirk Cousins. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo for the little sample size that we've seen him play in 10 games. He is better than him. Um, look at Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford. He's better than those four QBs, and they're making high 20s. It's called a market value for a reason. You look at what guys who are less than you, what, what they're making, and you got you to compare that to the NFL, and, and that's, how you get, that's how you get paid. In the NFL, how do you get paid? You get paid on production, and he's the second most winningest QB in the NFL. Ever since he ever since he joined, and then also, what what you look at you look at the potential of a player, and I think Dak Prescott heading into a few more years, I look I look at this guy and I really do feel like he can be something really good, especially for this Cowboys team. Yeah. He fits all of their needs. Good fourth rounder. I mean, hell of a fourth rounder. Look, he fits all their needs. You have an Ezekiel Elliott, and then you look at what he produced and, and his production, his stats, everything. Look, just watch the games. Whenever they finally got Amari Cooper. That Cowboys locker room, that Cowboys team, it changed. And everyone has bought into the system. Everyone looks at Dak Prescott, and they look. They look at him. They said, that's our leader. He buys into the, to the Cowboys system. I think America's team has a great QB. I think the 30 mil was right, rightfully deserved. I think winning the NFC East twice, I think going to the uh, you know, divisional round as well. I think the Cowboys had to sign Dak Prescott because they had to give him that type of money. You look at the market value, and I know $30 million, you're going to shake your head, but you really do have to look at the market value because here's an example. If Patrick Beverly is making $100 million a year and Kevin Durant's a free agent, he's going to want double that. He's going to want triple that. And that's really what it comes down to the NFL. You look at someone who's less than you, who hasn't produced as much, he's making 28 mil. You're going to have to ask for more than that. I think 30 mil was just the right price. I think they had to pay Dak Prescott. I think the Cowboys had to make this move. No, absolutely not. All right. Look, you, you talk about market value. Okay. You know, we're talking about, you know, is this the right move for the Cowboys? Market value, okay, you can get your $30 million. I mean, you know, just get the hell out of Dallas. I mean, I'm not I'm not paying you $30 because you got to look at the guys around this team. We've got Demarcus Lawrence, 
you know, who's getting a bag, five-year, 105. Tyrone Crawford, we, you know, signed him an extension. Our O-line's getting paid. You know, we, we have guys getting paid. We've got, you know, Jalen Smith, who's going to need a bag in a couple years. You've got Van Der Esch. You've got Zeke. You've got Byron Jones. I mean, we're going to lose. I mean, those guys I named, we're losing two or three of those guys. And whenever we do, this team's falling down. I feel like to pay a guy like Dak $30 million, okay, he can maybe get it somewhere else. But if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not forcing that $30 million. I'm not giving him more than 20 If he wants 30 you can go play football somewhere else. There's 10, 15 quarterbacks better than him in the league. I mean, for God's sakes, a guy, David Carr. Not, we're not talking about Derek Carr, who's in the NFL. We're talking about David Carr, a certified scrub at the quarterback position in the league. He out threw Dak Prescott in terms of accuracy. They did this little skills thing. Dak Prescott didn't hit a single target. A guy like David Carr, who, you know, sits on his TV, drinks a Miller Lite, you know, on his free time or, you know, his daily routine, out through a guy like Dak Prescott, who's in the training room five, six days a okay, week, but did, did, who plays football did, in the NFL. Quote on, did this quote, on, did this quote unquote David Carr have 22 touchdowns and eight interceptions in 2018? Did he have a 67% well, look, 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 completion look, look, rate? Look. Did he have 3,800 yards? Look, look. No. So, I mean, you look at a little look. skit, and that's, that's look, the thing about look at you. This. Look at Let this. me teach you football. Okay. You don't look at little, so you're looking little at clips. Percentage, right? You got to look at the whole, the, uh, whole, right. the whole body of work hey. and throughout the regular so you, season. You, you said you got to look at the whole thing. All right. So, you're looking at his accuracy, his percentage, okay? It's top in the league, right? So, let's bring, you know, some basketball terms into this, okay? Something you can understand, okay? Because you're not understanding the football aspect. So, let me bring basketball into this. So, a center in the NBA... And a shooter like Stephen Curry, who's going to have a better field goal percentage? I mean, obviously the center, yes. Okay. We look at Dak Prescott's accuracy. He has, you know, okay, his percentage is nice, but he doesn't throw the deep ball. I mean, for God's sakes, I can throw five-yard passes and pass for Okay, 70%. but you're missing one aspect. and that's, I, I that's can throw the, five yards. You're, you're be, missing one I aspect. I should be 80% passing. You're missing one aspect, and that's that's the ignorance that's coming into well, your head right now. What's the other aspect? I mean, He's I, winning games. That's oh, the thing that comes oh, down oh, to it. Because, you know, an NFL roster isn't, you know, 22 men. Okay, but what, what's, the most mo- what's the most important position in the NFL? I mean, it's the quarterback, but this guy, okay. this guy can't seem to get the job done. No, no, no. I mean, you can say he's, he is what, the second, 32 and He 16? is the second most winningest QB ever oh. since he entered the league. I mean, we got he's a hell putting of a up, He's putting up really good stats. He has one of the highest completion rates, touchdown and interception ratios in the first three years in NFL history. We got to look at this guy. I think the 30 He had a million, hell of a first year. His last two years weren't that good. No, no. The second, right. I agree with you on the second year. Second year, he, he struggled. I think without Ezekiel Elliott, he had a horrible year, but... This third year, and you can testify, it wasn't too good. First half of the season, okay, yeah, we, what, yeah. Are, what were they? One and they were they were horrible. They weren't that good. Four and three, three and four, something like that. They were horrible. They, that Amari and and we we said one thing. They didn't have a receiving core. Their defense played amazing. They didn't have the weapons on offense, but they only had Ezekiel Elliott, and that's who they that's who they really banked on. They always threw it underneath. The moment they got Amari Cooper, this team was a different team. Threw it more deep. They they definitely had more. In, uh, excuse me. Better games. If you look at the record with Amari Cooper, this team was one of the best teams in the league post Amari Cooper trade. I think this team had to sign Dak Prescott. And you say one thing about you know how they have to sign a lot of players, and I get that. But I do. I definitely think that quarterbacks are the hardest position to come along. If you're a team that has a solidified QB spot, you got to keep that dude. And I think Dak Prescott is that dude. And one more thing, we signed him to thirty million dollars, and I know you're freaking out about that. But another thing in terms of business aspect of the NFL. The salary cap is rising $10 million every single year. So if you look at this, this $30 million deal, you look at this in three years, this is virtually going to – it's not going to be that much. That's really what I'm saying is that this – extending Dak, you had to do that. That's the most important position on your team. He has the, he has the credentials that, that you had to sign him. I think other than that, I mean, linebackers and cornerbacks and whatnot, you can always find those type of dudes. I think – don't get me wrong, Jalen Smith and – um. Um, the you know Van Der Esch, they're, they're, they played amazing. Don't do not get me wrong, but Byron Jones. Byron, but, I, but hear me out. A cornerback, you can always come along those. Uh, in the second round, in the first round, you can always come along uh, those. What's harder to find? No, no, no. What's harder to find? A good Q, a good QB, a great QB, a franchise QB, or a great corner? But I think you can find. I mean, Dak. My whole problem is the man can't throw the deep ball. That's not going to win you championships. It might get you to the playoffs. 
sure as hell not winning you a Super Bowl. But the thing is about the Cowboys system is that they're not built on the deep ball. And that's really what it comes down to. They're a, they're a pounded at your neck type of team. They're going to run it. They're going to run it all the time. Third, And then it's going to be a third down. It's going to be a play action. That's really how their offense worked. Look at the first year Dak Prescott was that QB. Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, third down, or it would be a fourth down sometimes if they go for it. Finally, they went for it throughout the middle of the season because it was a fourth and one at the 50-yard line. Jason Garrett did not go for it. I remember that. But other than yeah. that, this team is built on the run game. They're not built like, the, you know, the Green Bay Packers. They're not built like any other team. They're a different team. you got to understand the system of the Cowboys is yeah, that. But this system's not working. This is, okay, look, you can't say that okay. because it's only, been, it's only been a sample size of two three years. Three years. No, no, it's been two years because I'm not counting the year that Ezekiel Elliott was gone. Ezekiel Elliott is the second best player six on this Cowboys games. team. Okay, six games. Yeah, and we were nine and seven. Yeah, that just shows you that Dak isn't, he can't step up okay, when and, he needs to. But the thing about QBs. So you got to count that year. But the, that's what you're not comprehending is that in a, in a system like the Cowboys, you need a great running back. If, so if you're running back who is, who is missing six games and your system is built on a great running back, defenses don't have to buy in. They don't have to rush as much. They, they can step back, wait for you to pass the ball because they know that this running back's not going to do us damage. Someone like Ezekiel Elliott is going to do damage. So that's why they have to you know, look at film. They're going to have to do things differently. I think the Cowboys made the right move. I think Dak Prescott has shown whenever he has the right pieces that this guy can actually lead a team. I think that game against – wait, that game against Los Angeles Rams, 22-30, to 30, but – you watched the game, right? Yeah, I watched the game. What was the sole reason why we lost? Because the Los Angeles Rams had how many rushing yards? I think it was over 200, 300 yeah. rushing yards. We got we got basically manhandled on defense. I think Dak Prescott had a, had a solid game throughout that outing. But, I mean, he stepped up in the playoffs. But, see, now that's you saying, you know, relying on the defense. A great quarterback will step up and be like, you know, my defense isn't stepping up, but I will. So, that see, that's my whole problem with Dak is, like, we can't rely on him. We got to rely on our defense to get the win rather than him. You know, more, more quarterbacks, it's like, you know, we lost the game because he had a bad game, so-and-so. Dak Prescott, it's more like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys lost this game because our defense had a bad game. And that's always what it comes down to for the Dallas Cowboys football team. It's never if Dak has a good or bad game. It's if the defense has a good or bad game. So that's my whole problem. I don't think your $30 million should be invested into Dak Prescott. It should be invested to guys that win games for you, and it isn't Dak Prescott. Ah, man, I just I, I agree to disagree. Uh, excuse me, agree to disagree. I think that Dak Prescott, you you had to resign him. I look at no. you look at the market value for a lot of these QBs, and I mean, <sighs> Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, yeah, he's a scrub. Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo can be one hell nice. of a QB. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he only had a sample size of ten games. Yeah. Matthew Stafford, he's I mean, a hell of a hell of a quarterback. No, he he is a hell of a quarterback, but I don't know if I would take him over Dak Prescott. I, I, oh, D my. oh God, Derek Derek Carr, Alex Smith making twenty. Matthew Stafford, you wouldn't take him over Dak Prescott. Yes, I don't know if I would. In today's day and age, yes, especially with this Cowboy oh. system, yes. Matthew Stafford, yes. You're you're the, repeating his name. The like, quarterback for the Detroit Lions. Yes, the the quarterback for the Detroit uh, Lions. No, no, no. We we might be having a different Matthew Stafford. <laughs> there's there's no way I'm hearing this. Yes, I would rather have Dak Prescott with this Cowboys roster than Matthew Stafford with this Cowboys roster. Yes. Surprised. Yes. Very surprised. Stay surprised. I'm very surprised. Hey, sports decaf here. We make hot you, you, we make hot takes, and that's how we that's how we do it. No, this one was – it wasn't – you know, usually we make hot ones. This one was burnt. You messed this one up. I don't know because you definitely you have – if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you're the one who said Carmelo Anthony was never a superstar. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm uh, – and you said Dwayne – You're the same guy who thinks Dak Prescott's You're the same guy who said Dwayne Casey was an assistant coach at best. He's a scrub. Oh, man. Dwayne Casey's a scrub. A, 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 a coach of the year is a scrub. Apparently, so I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up. It's sports decaf. Um, he has more brooms than a. This is your boy Thotic Fatul, and it's, we're not we're not gonna, we're not gonna entertain the foolery today. It's, it's your boy in deep shock. I mean, I'm. I gotta see a psychiatrist. I'm traumatized right now, but I'm out. I'm out.